global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ all advancing right now. We've got the S&P 500 index uh, up 13 points to 21.59, a gain of six-tenths of one percent. Stocks advancing a day after last night's presidential debate. Also, stocks rising on that consumer confidence report. The Dow up 126 points, up seven-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up nine-tenths of one percent. The 10-year up seven-thirty seconds, the yield 1.56 percent. Gold down 12.50 the ounce to 13.27, a drop of nine-tenths of one percent. And crude oil lower by 2.7 percent, 44.67 on WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Taking stock of Deutsche Bank. The cost of insuring Deutsche Bank's subordinated debt rose to a record, all amid growing concerns about the lender's financial health. Here to tell us more about Deutsche Bank, its role in the global financial system, and perhaps what happens next. We've got Chris Whalen. He is Senior Managing Director and Head of Research at Kroll Bond Rating Agency. Chris Whalen, thanks very much for being with us. Hey, hi. How are you, Pim? Um, I'm, I'm fine. How is, if I was at Deutsche Bank, would I be saying that? Probably not. It's a tough day. Um, you know, the comments from Chancellor Angela Merkel the other day on not wanting to support the bank were uh, not helpful. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, all of the leaders in Europe have their eyes on elections and politics, and they have not been willing to really focus on what's needed to get the banking system and their economy straightened out. So it's kind of par for the course, I'm afraid. Okay, so give us the sort of the, the ABCs of what's wrong with Deutsche Bank besides the fact that they may have to pay a U.S. fine. We know they have to pay a fine, but it could be as much as $14 billion. One of the astute European bank watchers I talked to earlier today said, you know, they've just never come to grips with recapitalizing their banks. But what is, you know, if you had to give it a talk to your customers right now, you know, 30 seconds or less, what's wrong with Deutsche Bank? Well, too little capital, number one. Uh, a business that is focused primarily on the capital markets. They don't have much of a lending business in Germany, a traditional banking business. And, you know, the capital markets have been tough, Kathleen. So all of the big banks, universal banks, as we refer to them, that have both the deposit side and the, the capital market side have, have really had a tough time making money. You think we're going to see foreign money pour into the European banking system? You think Chinese investors might want to come and invest in a Deutsche Bank? Well, I think they would love to, Pim, but the necessary condition to get the party started is for the governments in Europe to extend support and mark their assets to to a real market. The Europeans tell us that there's a trillion euros in non-performing loans in Europe, and I think the number is two or three times that. And no investor is going to go diving in there unless they're sure that they're seeing a clear picture of where the bank actually is in terms of net assets. You know, for example, in Italy, they're trying to convince Jamie Dimon to come to the rescue of Banque Monte di Pesce. And again, you know, no, the government's got to go first. And this is what, you know, I hope the EU leadership is eventually going to come to understand. But they're so focused on elections and on politics that they, they have been unwilling to do it. Well, it seems like about the more, all they've been able really to do, I mean, this is, this is an exaggeration, but in terms of 
fiscal union, banking union in Europe is to build a beautiful building, right? But when it comes to, well, seriously, but in terms of really having a centralized banking authority that can go in and make things happen and have the agreements in place to do that, they seem like they're still too far away from that. Oh, completely, Kathleen. I mean, the Europeans are where the United States was in 1930. Um, prior to 1933, when we created the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, if a bank failed, it ended up in a state receivership. And because of this, the Fed wouldn't lend to banks. You know, the economists often berate the Fed for not doing enough during the Depression, but they would not lend to banks because they didn't think they'd get paid back. They would have been a general creditor standing in front of a state court judge. So in Europe, you have a similar problem. Right now, if you want to fix a bank, it is going to be done nation by nation. There is no fiscal mechanism in Europe to deal with this, and there is no European-wide banking authority you know, that has the power to really act. And that's the trouble. It's a, it's a nation by nation uh, sort of a situation. And ultimately, I think the Germans and the Italians are going to have to provide support, going back to Pim's question, so we can get the party started. It reminds me of what happened when IndyMac failed and the FDIC mm. put it in the conservatorship. The room was empty. And then Sheila Baer and her colleagues at FDIC very astutely threw risk sharing on the table. And suddenly the room was full. <laughs> the investors showed up. And I think that's a good analogy for the Europeans to think about because you've got to get the party started. And sure, of course investors want to come in here. They see opportunity, but they don't know what the opportunity is because everything in Europe, you know, international uh, financial accounting rules are different from the U.S., very different. They're the opposite of the way a U.S. bank has to deal with a bad asset. Hey, Chris, uh, just a, a thought from you about the knock-on effect, because uh, Germany's biggest shipping lender, uh, Norddeutsche Landesbank, they, yes. they cut their plans to sell those euro-denominated bonds. Also, Deutsche Lufthansa withdrew a euro-bond deal. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get the desired price. That's right. Yeah, the, the, the lack of, of purposefulness on the part of the European leadership, the lack of, of clarity is causing investors to back away, and this is very dangerous. If Deutsche Bank gets downgraded again, I think you may see uh, uh, the counterparties back away. And that would be most unfortunate. I, I think Angela Merkel is playing a very dangerous game. If she thinks that somehow or another letting the biggest bank in Germany go down is going to help her with her election prospects, I, I would respectfully beg to differ. Well, you know, I find it hard to believe. I think this is, isn't this potentially just playing politics. It's Germany's largest bank. It's the third biggest bank in Europe. When push comes to shove, I find it hard to believe they will not bail them out, and particularly Yalman Onoren, you know Yalman, he's our Bloomberg News colleague sure. who wrote that great book that came out in the middle of financial crisis, Zombie Banks. And a good part of that book is devoted to showing how the Germans bailed out tons of those smaller regional Landesbanks that were supported by politicians. How could they let Deutsche Bank go down? Well, they think they can because it doesn't have much of a footprint in Germany, Kathleen. As you just said, most of the real financing in Germany is performed by the Landesbanken and, and various other types of state-supported entities, mostly at the, the state level, not at the national level in Germany. So they look at uh, Deutsche Bank, and what do they see? They see the big brother of uh, Bankers Trust. 
All right, they see a London capital markets operation, and they don't see an immediate domestic threat. But what they have to understand is that, you know, being bloody-minded and somewhat, uh, I think, reactionary when it comes to bank solvency issues is very short-sighted because, you know, if you go into a deflation after a large bank fails, you have big problems. Benevolence and a willingness to be flexible is always better because then, as Pim said before, we can get the investors to come in. This is what we did with AIG and Citigroup. And as critical as I was at the time of those transactions, it was the right thing to do because it saved us from a generalized debt deflation, which is destructive for everyone. Chris, just a little comparison, right? We're talking about a bank, the market cap now, Let's call it what about sixteen billion dollars? Yes. What's the franchise worth? And just to put that into context for you, um, uh, Apple's market cap is uh, six hundred and eight billion. Well, at the moment, the market's telling you that the franchise isn't worth a lot, but you know it's a very important bank. It's a large servicer here in the United States. Deutsche Bank is one of the most important servicers of commercial real estate. This is not a trivial thing. They're a trustee in many commercial uh, mortgage-backed securities transactions. So the U.S. has a stake here, too, and I have to believe that U.S. authorities are talking to their counterparties in Germany and very politely and respectfully looking them in the eye and saying, really? Do you really want to let yeah. this bank go? Dan Trullo, uh, the Fed governor who's, he's, who's you know, who's, uh, portfolio really is banking comes out yesterday says hey uh i think the bank stress tests are going to mean show that banks need to have even more capital are banks holding enough capital yet chris are, are, are is it are the regulators wrong now to keep piling on higher and higher capital requirements at a time when a, the world is you know barely in a strong recovery let alone a moderate one Yes, they are. Uh, the banks in the United States in particular have owed too much capital. Uh, with all due respect to, to Dan Tarullo, I think he's wrong. The stress tests as the Fed is operating them are pretty much useless from an analytical perspective. I don't think they tell you anything. And, you know, you're right. It's restraining growth, regulation, over-regulation, the demonization of banks instead of punishing bankers uh, is hurting the U.S. economy. It's hurting the global global economy. And the whole narrative is politicized and wrong as a result. You know, the politicians caused a crisis, Kathleen, and then they turned around and blamed the bankers. Well, you know, and I, Chris, well, thanks so much. I want to point out for our listeners, of course, if you listen to Bloomberg Radio, watch Bloomberg TV, you've seen Chris, you know that he is a guy who was um, very critical of banks, thought they needed more capital. For him to say now they've got, they're over-regulated this is this is an important thing to hear from Chris Whalen, Senior Managing Director and Head of Research at Kroll Bond Rating Agency. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox, and this is Bloomberg. <laughs>